Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Well, that was a football game. Uh, Three hours of scintillating NFC East action with players tripping over themselves in the open field. Fourth down fades to guys playing their first NFL snap. But in the end, Carson Wentz makes an unbelievable throw to Boston Scott to just squeak by the New York Giants. 22 to 21, keeping their home playoff game hopes alive uh, in that terrible division. Uh, Jake, let's quickly recap this game and then never talk about it again. What are your thoughts coming out of this Thursday night matchup? I'm trying to debate what's worse. The Eagles offensive line, their secondary, their linebackers, the Giants offensive line, the Eagles red zone play calling, the Eagles red zone execution. Carson Wentz for three quarters. I don't know what was worse, but you knew it was coming. And the dude did exactly what he did last year. So I was riding with him today. And I like the over on his passing yards today. He plays his best when it's crazy backyard football, street basketball. That's what it came down to in the fourth quarter. He made enough plays. And like you said, an unbelievable throw to win it. Missed a 29 yard field goal. He throws a god awful pick in the first half on second down. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're in field goal range. What goes through his mind at some of these times where he just competes his ass off? Like, we're just talking about to his detriment more than it is to the benefit of the team. Like, just know when to stop. It is like he has so much talent, but there's like something going on that just blocks it all out. The rest of that team is horrendously god-awful, and the Giants are worse. Like, that was a bad football game with a bunch of really, really bad football players. And, yes, the Eagles are very banged up. Fulgham, apparently not Fulham. We got it wrong today. Yeah, so I was right and then wrong. We tried to get it right. He could play, man, and that was a really good call uh, on that prop for him. He's a good player. He's going to be a really good player for them. Greg Ward's going to play in the slot for them for a long time. Deshaun Jackson with a pretty solid night gets some points early and then gets two horrendously bad hits. The, the yeah. leading with the, the helmet, it should have been two flags. The second one was a horrendously bad late hit. Uh, I, I don't know. It was, ugh, ugh, I, have, I can't get those three hours back. There was nothing in that game that was anything enjoyable other than one throw from Carson Wentz. Yeah, it was it was bad. There, there's going to be a lot of questions. Look, on the New York side, they spent the number four overall pick on a tackle that's really struggling. I mean, Andrew Thomas, he had a bad game tonight, but he was benched. I know they said there were some team disciplinary issues, but he only played like 20-something snaps in the game last week uh, against Washington in their victory. So they have then they were playing a third rounder over him there. So they have some plenty of issues there. But uh, look, uh, we'd be remiss if we don't talk about uh, the I guess it's not the play of the game. It's the number two play of the game, which was the Daniel Jones run. Uh, what did you say, Jake? It was like 21.6 mile an hour top speed is what you 21. said? 21.23, they said, which is the fastest for any quarterbacks in 2018. By the way, and, Lamar Jackson ran for 1,000 yards last year and probably hit some high speeds. He was flat rolling. It was an unbelievable play. I thought he pulled a hamstring. Yeah. He, just like, he just like got tired and took a dive. He just like he got over his freaking skis and that was it. But it was an unbelievable I, play. I was joking during that time in the TDN Slack. I was like, boy, I mean, if you've ever seen point shaving in action, like that play looked like <laughs> it right there. There's open fields, nowhere to go. And then all of a sudden, the sniper gets him. Uh, but, I mean, you could see it coming. Like, you could see the look on his face as he starts to lose balance of going like, oh, shit. This is this is going to be bad. But uh, they ended up scoring the touchdown on the play or later in that drive thanks to a penalty. So all was fairly well there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the takeaway from this game is, is Fulgham – Another 11-target game. So that's three games in a row with double-digit targets. He gets five for 73 in this matchup. Um, you know, Boston Scott kind of saves his fancy day with that huge catch. Saves his fancy day and the Eagles' day as a whole with that catch. 
And Sterling Shepard looked damn good. Uh, we didn't know if he was going to play right up until active and actives came out. Uh, and he plays, gets six for 59 and a touchdown. Freeman leaves this game with an injury, but uh, Shepard's right back on that radar and that like wide risk, the, the mix of wide receiver flexes that there seems to be 20 or so guys that you're going to be debating each week. If Freeman doesn't come back, Wayne Gallman ran his ass off. I've loved him coming out of Clemson. I loved him when he got a shot here and there in the past. He's tall, so he looks kind of – I'm trying to think of who he kind of runs like. He's just very upright. Uh, him and TJ Yeldon run very similar. They're like, both like one, yeah. so they have this like tall, you know, upright stance. But he runs hard. He always has. Catches it well. If Freeman's out, I think he showed tonight he's going to get some carries. And he's going to get some touches. I don't know if you want to touch anything in that backfield, but – uh, no, but as yeah. bad as running back is, like, I mean, it doesn't take much to be a top 30, top 32 running back right now with bye yeah. weeks. I'll tell you, the, the other thing, every time I watch Daniel Jones, man, there's so much there to mold. Yes, he's got some mind-numbing turnovers, but he can flat spin it. He's athletic. He throws it well on the run. You know he's smart. Like, there's a lot there to work with, but it just doesn't come together. I know their offensive line is horrendously bad it's also. horrible right now. Um. But don't you think so when you watch you watch him and there's there's enough plays to make you go, damn, there's so much there. But he, what's missing is he has elite flashes. Like there's some players that flash, but when Daniel Jones has those flash plays and it's the runs and some of the throws, we even saw it against Pittsburgh in opening in the opening week. When he has those plays, they are phenomenal. The issue is going to be for every one, two, or three of those that you'll see a game you'll get twice as many bad plays. And part of that is the offensive line has been terrible for him. But part of that is, you know, pocket awareness, missing guys. But there are other times where his teammates are letting him down too. Like if Evan Ingram makes that catch on third down late in the fourth quarter, the game's over. Like they win that game and we're all talking about a great pass Daniel Jones makes on third down. We're talking about the run uh, that usually ends up in a touchdown later that drive. But it's – he's such a tantalizing player to watch because when he does – peak and when he does have those like great moments they are elite moments like they are you go wow we might have something here and then you watch the next two quarters and go so i don't know where you fall with that he's still a young player still a second year probably shouldn't have been starting last year to begin with took a lot of hits fumbled the ball a lot so but i'd have to lean on if i'm a giants fan i'm not giving up yet he also hasn't had the full complement of weapons for any consistent amount of time through his two years and when he does he's looked okay if they can get a decent offensive line, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. If I was a Giants fan, I would still be holding on some serious hope that those elite plays can go from, you know, they're, they're just not as big a disparity between the crap and the elite, and you can get yes. some really high consistency going on there. The question for them is going to be, do they pick top three? Because if they pick top three, they're going to have a question of Fields versus Jones. If they don't, then they can address the other areas of their team that they need more. I mean, which, by the way, might mean taking another tackle that high. Like if Sewell's there... I think you have to consider it. Maybe Andrew Thomas plays right tackle for you at that point. You put Pert inside. Like you have to consider those options there because they're they're in an interesting situation because they're picking really high. We just don't know quite how high they're going to pick yet. But uh, let's move on to some of the games this weekend. We're going to talk about quarterbacks playing at a high level. Let's start with this game in Nashville. The Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Tennessee Titans in this game. Uh, I want your thoughts, particularly on both quarterbacks here. Uh, obviously uh, this is a better matchup for Ben Roethlisberger than it is for Ryan Tannehill, but I think both of them are, are worthy starts this week. As much as I don't like the Steelers defense, Tannehill's been slinging it right now. There are a lot of, there's a handful of QBs on by. I think you might still be in a decent spot with Tannehill. If you have nobody else on your roster currently versus whoever might be on your waiver wire. What do you think about the two QBs in this matchup? You wrote about this. Uh, for those listening to this, they can read it at thedraftnetwork.com. Jake's breakdown of this matchup and the key factor he thinks will be the difference in the game. What do you think about this one? I love both quarterbacks. I just hate that Taylor Lewan's out. and They're running it okay. Derrick Henry had the breakout week. And Tannehill's been more than efficient. He's been electric at times. He's been phenomenal at times. But, man, losing your star left tackle, I think it's going to hurt without Jonu Smith. He had some chemistry with backup tight end. I don't know how that's – A.J. Brown coming back. He's going to have to play even better. Luckily, he's really athletic. I think he's going to be running for his life. He's been the least pressured quarterback in the NFL so far this season. That's not going to continue on Sunday. Flip it around, Ben Roethlisberger has a much easier matchup against that defense from Tennessee. They will get exotic. They're well coached. I talk about in the article. But 
they haven't played that well and they don't have that many pieces over there. That offensive line is playing pretty well. The only thing that's really stopped Pittsburgh is themselves trying to figure out exactly how they want to use these weapons. Juju's been non-existent, but Juju's still a very electric elite player that I think they can go to at any time. Uh, they're like ninth in, in the league in rushing. They want to do that and take it off of Ben. But I said in, in the article, I really feel like Ben could take over this game if he has to, if they need to lean on him. I, I think he's got his feet under him, his legs under him, and he could really do that. So to me, you got to lean towards Pittsburgh here. Their matchup defensively against the offense is a wash. And then I think Pittsburgh's offense has a big advantage on the Tennessee defense. Yeah, to your point, we haven't seen Ben Roethlisberger really like unleash yet. He hasn't had one of those vintage Ben Roethlisberger games, and they haven't really needed him to more often than not. Uh, but uh, to me, this the intrigue here is is both guys having their wide receiver weapons back. Like Deontay Johnson's going to play for Pittsburgh. Corey Davis is going to play for Tennessee. So both of these quarterbacks have their full complement of wide receiver weapons in this matchup. And, you know, it, it's something that is going to be uh, incredibly interesting to watch going forward to see whether or not that all these guys can be integrated into this offense uh, and all be successful at the same time. And, you know, for me, there's been, there's been a lot of uh, talk about like Juju Smith Schuster to, to Jake's point that we haven't seen really have a big year yet. And people are dropping him. I, I, I don't, I think you just got to stash and wait. I think he'll have his opportunities. He's still outscored to this point in the season on a per game basis guys like Hollywood Brown, guys like T Higgins. So when I see like, oh, I, I, should I drop Juju? I go, well, let, let's, let's hold on a little bit here. Uh, but I want to see how all those weapons are going to work with Deontay Johnson back. I want to see how all the weapons work in Tennessee. Maybe um, there's some hope that now that John Smith plays this weekend, which would be a huge deal for, for Tennessee. I think he practiced in full today, but that's still iffy. Uh, I'm really excited about this matchup. There's plenty of fantasy value to be had across the board. Um, and let, let's add that to this next game that we talked about. We, we mentioned a little bit on our TDN against the spread show as our stay away for betting. And that's the Lions and the Falcons in this game. And uh, Kenny Galladay has been sensational for this offense. It looks completely different. Stafford looks like he's going to be rolling. The Falcons look great last week with Julio Jones coming back. They have all their weapons up and running. What do you think about this game? Because I think there's a lot of intriguing value, especially even with the running backs in this game, given the, the depth of the position right now. I think it's an absolute shootout, but I think you just hit the nail on the head with the running backs. Which What do we see from Detroit? Is it still the, the mix and you get the complimentary piece of DeAndre Swift that finally had his big first game last week? And then Gurley only gets 12 or 15 touches, and he got a bunch last week. Can he follow that up? Because he should be able to run it on this Detroit defense. I think it comes down to quarterbacks, and I have more faith in Matt Stafford in that offense than I do in Matt Ryan. He is at home. He had a monster week last week. I'm not sure he can back that up. That offensive line's not very good. Um, but I think it's an absolute shootout. I think everybody that you have from both teams is probably going to be in your lineup this week with some buys going on. And Marvin Jones Jr. is the perfect bat or perfect Robin, but he's got to have Batman. Now that he's got Galladay back, that, that offense is just completely different when they've got both of those guys together. And Stafford is, as we talk about all the time, one of the most elite underrated guys that you forget about because he's in the wasteland of Detroit. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And to me, all eyes are on DeAndre Swift for me in this game. I know we've talked about it before, but had that big breakout last week. I want to see, does he get a more 50-50 carry split with Adrian Peterson like we saw last week? Do they just go back to what they were doing before? Like at, at some point, uh, you got to, I mean, he's been explosive in every game that you've used him. There's the one game where he only got one touch, but he's been explosive in every game. He should have caught the game when he touched down in week one. I know he didn't, so could have, would have, should have, but he didn't. But he has been a dynamic player for you as a dual threat, both in the receiving and running game. I want to see him used a bit more. I, I don't know why not. You, you would this, think it's coming, right? Like, but the high data pick it's on him. Gotta, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, it's got to start taking the turn towards him being the guy and Adrian yes. Peterson spelling him, right? It's that time of the year, the next this week, next week. It's got to start being, you took him that high. He's going to be the feature guy. He's he got to know the offense, everything well enough by now that you can feature him. Uh, I would think that it's got to at least be a split, if not starting to go two thirds in, in his favor. Yeah. Just, you're not putting Adrian Peterson on the bench full time, but you're not also giving him the majority of carries anymore. I, I think there needs to be more work going on Swift. And I know fantasy managers cannot wait for that. 
Uh, the Cleveland Brown versus Cincinnati Bagels, and there's some injury questions going into this game. Baker Mayfield's been banged up and been bad. Uh, you, you're not playing Baker Mayfield. I don't care if he was 300% healthy in this game the way he's playing this year. You're not playing Baker Mayfield in a single quarterback league. Uh, and for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon still isn't practicing. So he is very iffy for this game. Uh, this was one of my picks for the over uh, in our total matchups. We talked about it on TDN against the spread. Uh, if Mixon doesn't play, Gio Bernard is now really exciting because he's going to get used a ton in the passing game. And he was getting a lot of work already. I mean, that was one of the big conversations in the first three, four weeks of the season for Joe Mixon owners was that they were very unhappy with how often Gio Bernard was playing. So if he gets a chance to be the guy here, this is going to be one of those, like one of his two 27 point games that he has every single season, like two of the 16. Uh, but you, you kind of like everybody here, right? My only question to you is, I'm already seeing this after one game. And I've answered this question from, I'm not joking, six or seven different people today. What are your thoughts about AJ Green? Because he had one good game and now everybody seems like they want to buy back in. Are you buying back in yet? Or are you like me? Like, I want to see it again before I am actively starting him in fantasy. So technically, no. But I did in our league because I'm so freaking desperate. And I had to have somebody just in case the target share is still there. So the fact that he's still getting 11, 13 targets, I think it was 13 in week one, but it looked awful. He's looked a little bit better as it's gone along. Had finally had a breakout game last week, but he's still getting a ton of targets. So I'm kind of buying it if you're as desperate as I am. I don't know they're going to play him. I played Deshaun Jackson tonight and I went for the upside. I didn't get it, but I got what, seven and a half, whatever it was. It was okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're getting any upside, but if you're going to count on eight or nine targets, which I think you're going to get, especially if Mixon doesn't play, I think Tyler Boyd and T Higgins have monster games. Regardless if Mixon doesn't play, I really like Gio Bernard. I picked him up in the league that I have Mixon just in case. And if he doesn't, then I, I think AJ Green's a viable possibility. If you're desperate, you got a bye week, you got some injuries, whatever it is. I think he's going to get eight or nine targets again. I think they're going to throw it 50 times. Yeah, and, and honestly, if you're, you're an overbetter or you're a fantasy manager that does not have Joe Mixon, I think the best result for your players is Joe Mixon not playing. Um, but I know you don't want to hear that if you're a Joe Mixon owner, but we'll see what happens there. And also, by the way, it might not be a bad idea for him to sit out a week and not, not try to re-injure that ankle and this become a long-term thing because he has dealt with multi-week injuries before. Uh, and on the Cleveland side, you know who you're playing. Like, you're, you're playing Kareem Hunt. You're probably playing Odell Beckham in a, in a flex spot. Like, you know you know what the deal is there. So there's really not a lot of analysis for Hooper, them. Hooper should be good in this one, Jamie. I mean, Hooper, as thin as tight end is, I, he's yes. been coming on. I think it's a good matchup for him. I think three or four straight double-digit fantasy point weeks in PPR for Hooper. So he, he's getting to that point. Uh, but to me, from a real-life perspective, I got to see a good game from Baker Mayfield. Uh, this, is, this is a matchup he can take advantage of. I know he's been hurt, but he has been bad. And he has not been good in even some of their big wins. Uh, we need. I need to see more and i think the browns as a collective need to see more from him and if they're not just i think i would him. almost be okay seeing conservative and okay yes without anything stupid i don't need to see the carson wentz though that i just saw to win that game no he doesn't need see... to put up 400 he doesn't need to put up 303 yeah. touchdowns he just doesn't need to make the the crippling mistakes that he's been making even in yeah. some victories play conservative and solid that's all i need to see that, that would be a great game for him because he hasn't done it Carolina Panthers go down to New Orleans to face the Saints in this NFC South battle. Uh, if you listen to our, we'll reference it again. If you listen to our TDN against the spread show earlier, you know we like points in this game and we like bounce back for some Carolina Panthers. Uh, I was again surprised that in the middle of the season, guys have one bad game and people are already off the bandwagon despite seeing three, four, five games of consistent production. If for whatever reason you're scared away from Mike Davis, stop it. He's an RB one again this week. There's no reason yeah. I've seen, I know I've seen it. There, there are people on Twitter ask if they should play Mike Davis or you don't have a Mike Davis or question. He's a top 10 running back this week. You don't have three top 10 running backs on your roster unless you're playing in a home league with eight teams and like with like in-laws that have never watched football before. You're playing Mike Davis this week. I think you get a bounce back game from everybody across the board. I mean, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson still had decent fantasy performances in their matchup last week. So they, they played the terrible. Bears defense yes. and they moved the ball. I'm still trying to figure out where this narrative of they had this monsterly bad game. They went up and down the field. They were right there at 20 points. They were in the game. They were coming back late and they turned it over. Teddy Bridgewater were solid, but they're playing the Bears defense. Yes, who and, has been and by elite. the way. To your and Paige's point, when you guys discussed the show while I was traveling, 
the Bears have not a good, not a great, an elite red zone defense this year. And the Panthers Number got to the lead. red zone and did nothing. Yeah. And that and that was the difference in the game. They got in the red zone. By the like way, three the Saints times. defense is not playing at that level. Saints no. defense has been lit up by everybody, including Justin Herbert. Yeah. And, and to, there's going to be this Teddy Bridgewater homecoming story, all this other BS. But the real reality is there's going to be plenty of points in this game. And on the other side, you can run and run and run on Carolina. And I expect both Alvin Kamara and even if you're desperate, Latavius Murray to have some some good numbers in this matchup. And and Murray made my sneaky starts column this week for the second time. Remember the last time he made it, that was against Detroit. And what happened in that game? Scored twice, had that big matchup. When they play poor run defenses and they give Latavius Murray his typical 12 to 14 carries, he will gash teams. And I think you have a good chance there if you're desperate at the running back position and he's a guy that's been sitting on your bench, that he might be able to be that uh, I mean, obviously he's not ranked as an RB two, but could be your RB two if you're really desperate in that matchup. Especially with no Michael Thomas, it looks like in this game. Yeah, do you like Emmanuel I, Sanders I if that's the case? Because I do. Yeah, he's really I, come on in the last couple of weeks when they had to buy. But what the hell's going on there? Well, apparently ankle, it's a new, hamstring, a new injury to to Michael Thomas. Yeah. So between the ankle and his interactions with teammates, and now a new hamstring injury, this is. This has been an absolute brutal season for him. And, and it's, it's so strange because what we go back to the preseason, we talked about one of the big reasons why people wanted to draft Michael Thomas as high as number three overall in fantasy was because of his safety. And I think this is maybe a good reminder to us that no player is safe. Like there just, there's yeah. no player in the NFL that is a guaranteed 16 games of high level production, no matter how much we've seen it every year is different. You know, we thought, I mean, who was the pinnacle of safety more of this than coming into the year than Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas? And neither one of them are going to play in this football game. Like it just, yep, it happens that. sometimes. But I tell I you, like the more saying, I look at this, the, the craziest, this line, it gets nuts. It it's gets, keeps getting crazier the more I look at it. I think Carolina can win this game. I'm going to take the Saints by three because they're at home basically. But I think Carolina is damn capable of beating them. Yeah, this is it's been one of the weird ones where now it's it's at plus nine at bet online. And if you want to take the Panthers on the money line, I'm looking this up right now, you can get them at plus two eighty, so almost three to one odds right now on the Panthers to win this game. So I mean that, that those wow there's sometimes you throw a few small bets on things just because like the odds dictate that it's at least worth a shot. I don't think that they should be three to one uh, to win this game, but that's just me. Uh, but again, in this matchup, I do like Emmanuel Sanders, who, again, aside from having a just dreadful first week post Thomas performance against the Raiders has actually been pretty good. Uh, everybody yeah. kind of gave up on him after one bad game, but he's been, he's been darn good for them. So, uh, totals 51 and a half of this game. And it's gone up a little bit. Uh, Jake loves the points here. Um, at least love the points when it was a little bit lower. I still think you're going to get about 50 in this game. So there'll be plenty of fantasy value. Uh, the Buffalo Bills will play the, well, I guess what's left of the New York Jets in this matchup. Uh, Jamison Crowder might not play. Uh, he's missing practice, which is oh. there's literally nobody left uh, in New York. If that's the case, they're moving pieces. So this game is 100% about Buffalo. How do you feel about Josh Allen? How do you feel about Devin Singletary? Uh, and I think those are probably the two big ones, probably Cole Beasley as well. We'll see if John Brown ends up playing. He's been still banged up. Uh, you're playing digs every week, but and you're playing Allen every week, but do you think you get a matchup winning potential performance out of Josh Allen? And then where do you think Devin Singletary falls? No, because I think he probably throws two touchdowns early. They're beating the crap out of him and they run it. And that's my problem with Singletary. I think he has a great first half. I think he has a few catches, probably 50, 60 yards, unless he takes a big one. And I think Zach Moss plays a lot in the second half because they're beating the crap out of him. And they never want to give him the load anyway, even in close games. It scares me because I'm going to play him this week in one league. And I'm hoping I can get a solid 15, 16 out of it. He's got the potential to be a 25-point guy this week. I just don't know how many touches he's going to get. And I don't think Josh Allen's going to be much over 20 because I, I, I don't think they're going to ask him to do that much. Maybe they'll keep their foot on the gas. But I think they're going to get right when I said, you know, get a bounce back, get right game. I think they're going to get right in the first half and this thing's going to be ugly. And then they're coasting. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're going to get all your production from these guys in the first half. That's my only concern. And, and we've seen that a few times this year where sometimes the matchup's almost too good in the sense of like, it's so good for them that they have like six, you know, a quarterback has a 16, 17 point first half and then barely is used in the second half. Or they get up big and at that point, your receivers only got three targets and they only gets one more the rest of the game because they don't really need to go down the field. And I guess that would be the concern, but 
odds are you're still playing Allen, you're still playing Diggs and all those guys. Singletary is interesting because I did not rank him in my top 24. And I was, and I, I stared at that. I thought a long time about that. And I love the matchup. And in, and you can, in theory, they should run all over this team. But the question is, is how many touches is Singletary actually going to get? You have another, another week for Zach Moss to get healthy. You could even see even like some of these other guys get some work in this game. I, yeah, just, I don't trust pops up and steals a few yeah. touches here and there. Yeah. I mean, it's uh I don't know. I might be talking myself out of it here, but I'm trying to make a trade. So it might screw me up because it's going <laughs> to go through on Saturday. So the, the, the question is going to be like anything else is how beat up are you at running back? I mean, you might not have a trade. Like he's still a top 30 running back. Like he's still in that consideration. He's still, I think I have him at 25th, but this is a matchup where he should be ranked in my top 15. Like in theory, he should be a, a clear cut, no doubt must start player. And he still might have that. Like, like you said, it wouldn't shock us if he has a 20 point game, but it also wouldn't shock me if he has a nine point game. And I think that's yeah. the concern because we're not sure about the workload. Uh, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys versus the Washington football game. Uh, we did not have a chance to talk about this on the video show. So I do want to briefly touch on this. This being a pick seems like a complete overreaction. Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just, uh, uh, it's neither one of our locks. So we're, we're not going to go down that, that, that territory, but there's uh, as bad as that defense is in Dallas. Like there's no reason they should lose this football game. No, you're still talking about Andy Dalton didn't play well. The offensive line was horrendous, but you still have weapons all over the place. I think Zeke bounces back with a monster game because I think they're going to, they're going to put the emphasis on it early to feed him. And I think he's motivated and embarrassed and I'll take an embarrassed superstar every day of the week. Flip it around. Yes, their defense is awful. McLaren seems to get his regardless. Gibson's had a couple 20, 120-point game, I think, the last couple of weeks. I think he could he could get there in the passing game. Uh, and McKinnon's interesting because he's had a bunch of catches the last couple of weeks. So there actually is some value there on the Redskins' side to use. But to me, if you got the Cowboys guys, you're throwing them out there. I think this offense bounces back. I think Zeke has a monster week. Yeah, you throw. I think Lamb's going to feast in this game. Again, you're playing your star Cowboys. You know that already. I think if you're desperate, Dalton is still a play. Um, you have, you know, I don't have him in my top 12, but he's also still in my top 18. Like he's still in that. Yeah. Like if things get desperate or if you're two QB league, because he will be better than he was the week before. You're starting Zeke regardless. Like nobody's questioning that. On the Washington side, to your point, he's still only owned in like 30 something percent of leagues, but JD McKissick needs to be owned in every PPR league. Like he is giving you double digit points every single week. He has a clear role in this offense alongside Antonio Gibson. Uh, and he actually ran the ball pretty damn effectively last week, which is something they weren't asking him to do early on. Uh, he's a perfect guy to have at the back part of your bench. Like your last spot on your bench. Uh, I know I was able to snipe him by one extra dollar over you in our league this week uh, in the waiver wire claims. You know, I, I'm, am I starting him this week? No, but if something weird happens, if I need to play him in a flex spot, I think he can get me 10 points. And I, I think that's a great person to have on your bench there. Feels like a pretty safe option. Glad to see McLaurin get more involved last week because I was very worried after that quiet first game with Kyle Allen. Uh, he should feast against this Dallas Cowboys secondary that just everybody feasts on right now. I think they've allowed through six games the sixth most points in the history of the NFL. Uh, and through the first six weeks, which is that's just insane, just an abomination. Uh, this team has a lot of real life problems, but fantasy wise, you're still feeling pretty good about your big playmakers there. Uh, the Green Bay Packers look for their big bounce back game in Houston against the Texans, one of the biggest point totals of the weekend. Uh, in this matchup, over 56 that's more than two touchdowns a quarter right now. Uh, are you expecting a, you already said in the video show, you're expecting a huge, huge Aaron Jones game, which is just get any running back away from Tampa and they'll be fine. Like just, you're not yeah. playing like, like that's why I had Josh Jacobs at like 18 among running backs. Like, yeah, he might score a touchdown like McCaffrey did a few weeks back and, and get you enough, but everybody looks to every running back looks terrible against Tampa for two years now. So you just, you just write that off, move on has a much better matchup here. Are you expecting a big bounce back from Aaron Rodgers as well? I am. Again, you're talking about embarrassed superstars. I love a pissed off, salty Aaron Rodgers. Look, he and I said last week the thing I love about Aaron Rodgers, he'll come out Tuesday and talk about we got hit in the mouth, we got our asses whooped, we got to be better. I loved when he went a little farther and said we were feeling ourselves a little too much. We went 13 3 NFC Championship, we started 4 0, and then we got hit in the mouth and didn't know what to do about it. I think they bounced back big. This Texans defense is damn sure not that Bucks defense. Uh, Devontae Adams, big week. 
the best about Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter who the other complimentary pieces are because he doesn't need anybody to be a superstar other than Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Uh, I think they run it. I think they run it big. I think they play action deep. I don't think they hit the over in this game. I don't know that it's crazy high scoring because I think, I think the, the Packers are going to run it a bunch. I think Aaron Rodgers has a very solid game. I don't know that he throws 300. And I think Deshaun Watson's going to turn over a few times. I, he's going to be running for his life. The Smith brothers didn't do anything last week. I think they're going to feast a little bit too. I think Packers defense is not any good, but they will get after the quarterback with Smith brothers. So it'd be interesting. David Johnson is still like one catch a week. I have no idea what the hell they're doing with him in Houston. It's driving me nuts. Fuller has been really good. Yeah. Deshaun Watson seems to be playing better, but he's still turning over. I mean, fantasy wise, what we're talking about now, I think Deshaun Watson, I probably have a pretty solid game because when you rush him, He's like Carson Wentz. He flies all over the place. He plays the street basketball, backyard football kind of, and he thrives in that, but he turns it over at the same time. They, those two are playing the same game right now. Yeah, well, Wolf Fuller has emerged to being a must-start every single week. He has been, aside from the one game against the Ravens where he was banged up and, and put up a goose egg, he's been sensational. Uh, we're starting to see Randall Cobb be used a little bit more in this offense. Brandon Cooks looks pretty good. So he is getting... He's distributing it to his or Watson is distributing it to his three top receivers, and they're all having some level of fantasy success. But I'm with you. I mean, David Johnson's been keeping his head above water as an RB2, but it's been very weird how they used him. Like I I am shocked at how little uh the backs in general are involved in the passing game here. Uh, I don't know why. Again, I know you, you the head coach isn't there anymore, but I don't know why you trade what you traded in any scenario for David Johnson in general, but then not to use him as the true. I think it's on the quarterback. When I'm talking about that scrambling around backyard football, it's always down the field. He never takes the check down. One of my biggest problems with him is he never takes what the defense gives him. He tries to force stuff. That's where David Johnson could feast and keep them in games, keep the chains moving. There's a bunch of third and sixes where he scrambles around, throws it way down the field where he can take the check down and get the first down. And he doesn't, but like two weeks in a row, David Johnson has a one catch for eight yards. That's the best part of his game. I, it's just, it's crazy to me that they're not using him at all. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And keep an eye on Robert Tanyan. Uh, he's questionable for this game. He's, he's, again, he's a tight end. He's a top 12 tight end if he's out there. But uh, we'll see. he's not getting three touchdowns again, but he's at least worthy, a worthy starter uh, if he suits up for this game. Uh, let's talk about this next game that got flexed back into a late afternoon start time. That's the Buccaneers and the Raiders. Let's assume that it happens on schedule uh, for the purposes of this conversation. You didn't like Josh Jacobs regardless. We just talked about why. The Bucs are the best run defense in the NFL, and they've been the best run defense in the NFL bar none for two seasons now. Uh, and now you have no idea what's going to be, what offensive line is going to be out there in front of Josh Jacobs. I, given this running back situation, you probably more often than not have to throw him in. But if you're expecting anything more than low-end RB2 production, I don't know what to tell you. He is third on the team in catches. So there's a little bit of hope. He's been involved in the passing game more, and you might get you some junk stuff there. I don't know that I love rugs in this matchup because that's going to be straight hit or miss. They might, they're going to take yep. a couple shots, I would think. But if they're taking shots, then Derek Carr is going to be taking shots as well. And I don't think that's their game plan that they want to do. Waller is a must start every week. He's by far their best player. Flip it around. I love Ronald Jones. Yep. I like Fournette because I, I don't think they want Ronald Jones having 25 carries this week. He had two the last couple weeks. I think they'd love to get a a healthy Fournette back involved in this with 12 and maybe Rojo gets 17, 18. Uh, Chris Godwin, I really like. I think Mike Evans bounces back on the one catch last week. Um, You know, Gronk's going to be hit or miss as he's part of the offense, but I really think Godwin feasts in the slot this week. If Abrams doesn't play, because he's one of the guys on their COVID list as well, Jonathan Abram, who's a phenomenal young player, just like he's shot out of a freaking cannon every time he plays. Uh, if he doesn't play, I, I think all of those guys have that much more. He's really the only dynamic player on this on this defense right now. They're not playing very well. No, they're not. And they, have, they have some guys out in the second day that are injured. And so to me, Ronald Jones, RB1, Leonard Fournette, Flex. You're starting Chris Godwin every single week. Evan, Evans, you're starting every single week. Uh, but on the Raiders side, I, I'm with you on rugs. I, I look at him a lot like we looked at the back half of the season for Hollywood Brown last year. He's when he is going to have when he's on, he can have you 20 point games and just just blow up like he's a perfect best ball type player. But even last week when he had that or two weeks ago before the bye when he had that really good game, he had three targets like he caught two just just monstrous passes like a 48 yard pass and they did the huge touchdown. But that was on three targets. 
So you have to pick and choose in that case. And I'm going to pick and choose based on matchup. And I don't love this matchup for him. Uh, you know, you probably have, especially at receiver, you don't have to be that picky right now. Like I, I guarantee you, like when people are sending me all, they're like, should I start this player? Who do I bench? I'm looking at a lot of guys that are about the same. Like I'm looking at a yeah. bunch of guys that are in that like receiver 27 through like 40, which are all just like the same player. Like you're looking at matchups, yeah. you're looking at maybe, you know, you know, is there another injury on the roster you like more? But there's a lot of the same there. You don't need to force the issue with rugs in this game. Uh, let's be hopeful this game gets played on time. That's all. I'm, that's what I'm rooting for. Um, it's going to be a little bit yeah. earlier. We have a new, we have a new night game, which we'll talk about here in a couple minutes. But uh, let's be hopeful that everybody is healthy and that we get this game played on time. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers are going to New England to play the Patriots in the Jimmy Garoppolo Bowl. Uh, no Raheem Mostert in this game, so Jerick McKinnon is going to be the starter, but. Debo Samuel's healthy. Brandon Ayuk's healthy. So they have their, their pass catching weapon. George Kittle's healthy. So they have all of their pass catching weapons. And in New England, um, um, they got James White for PPR. And uh, yeah, that's like, are you, are you even considering starting any non James White player in fantasy? And if it's not a PPR league, are you considering starting any Patriots player this week? Hell no. Especially no, Cam, right? who has seven picks and has been awful awful like you don't think fred warner is going to be all over cam when he tries to like i i think that i think the way he talked about today on the other show and against the spread i think the niners win this game i think they win it big i haven't seen anything from this patriots team that make gives me any faith for anything and i think kyle shanahan schemes it up against everybody including belichick to the point where this offense is going to be okay my question for you is hasty do you like i keep hearing all this all this hasty talk going on i think mckinnon's the guy but they like using two and he looked pretty good when he played last week. But to me, it's like it's the perfect Jeff Wilson flying under the radar and has like two touchdowns game when everybody's playing McKinnon and Hasty becomes this big talk on all the shows. And then Wilson <laughs> steps right in and has like, you know, has two touchdowns or something. Yeah. See, this is what concerns me about the Jamaica Hasty stuff. Like, I know everybody gets falls in love with like undrafted free agent running backs that pop up. But that, that he was the he was in a perfect situation there in that fourth quarter when they were when they were winning to get a lot of that work because he is a pretty quality special teams player for them. I mean that that is yeah. why he made the practice squad initially on that team was because of his special teams play. So when your running back goes down in game, you already have Jarek McKinnon who gave a lot of work through the first three quarters. It makes and Jeff Wilson's been banged up. It makes it very easy to give the special teams guy all that work in the fourth quarter. I think when you have a full week of prep. Wilson's back practicing in full as of as of Thursday that I saw. And you're going to start the game with McKinnon. Then I'm not so sure that Jermichael Hasey is going to be game plan to have double-digit touches in this game. Yeah. It's possible. I just don't think it's very likely. I still think it's going to run the same way it ran earlier in the year when, when Mostert was out, which is heavy Jarek McKinnon. They'll bring in Jeff Wilson inside the five so he can get it. He can do the Jordan Howard two yards of carry and maybe fall into the end zone role that that he played last year. And you will see a little bit of hasty because he's going to be on the field for special teams and he'll be out there and available. But I don't think we're going to see, you know, barring like him breaking a 60 yard run in the second quarter or something. I don't think we're going to see Jermichael hasty just get peppered with carries. Like I just, I don't, I don't see that happening. And I know there's a lot of hype around him right now. Uh, but to me, I'm still going with McKinnon. Uh, Debo Samuels, get right back in your lineups. Brendan Ayuk, if you, if you need some help, a wide receiver, I think there's some interesting value here in San Francisco. And I, if it's not like I said at the top, if it's not James White, don't want it. Do not want it from anybody uh, in this on this Patriots team. It is, it is bad, and and I don't know why. I know a lot of people love Cam. I know people they they secretly love Belichick, although they won't admit it. So the Patriots get a lot of passes on things, but this team is not very good right now. Cam has has had really one good game as a thrower. And it was against Seattle, and that's been it. And it was in prime time, so we, it almost counts as like two or three when you do something good or bad in prime time because everybody sees it, so they, they that sticks in people's memories. But he's been a bad passer. They were absolutely demolished last week by Denver. The only thing that that kept that game close is that Drew Locke, one, tried to hand them the game in the fourth quarter, like almost literally tried to hand them the football every time he got the ball and say, here, hold on, we don't want to win this game. And two, the fact that they, they have no red zone offense. Like they, from a between the 20 standpoint, Denver dominated that football game in New England. And Denver's not a good football team right now. So no. I have no faith in the Patriots to win this game. Dominated no by in- kicking six field goals and one by a touchdown. Yes. 
And, and again, just and just in a bit, it was again, it was one of those games where the Patriots of old they were hanging around and they win that game. They never felt like they were going to win that game at any point. No. It it was bad. Uh, the, speaking of Denver Broncos, they come home this week to host the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think the big question in this game is going to all be around the running backs. On Denver's side of things, it looks like Melvin Gordon's going to be back and playing and in full capacity. We'll see what the league says about that in November. It looks like they'll have, they'll have a few things to say at that point. But for this week, he's going to be back in there. So how do you feel that split's going to go? And on the other side, I know Andy, uh, Andy Reid's been a little coy about it, but I would be surprised if Le'Veon Bell does not play in this game. So how do you think that split's going to go? This is all about the backfield splits in this matchup for me. I think Philip Lindsay being healthy earned a lot more touches than he was getting when he was, it was easy for Melvin Gordon to be the guy when Lindsay was out. I think it probably goes back to what I said in the preseason, Melvin Gordon's first, second down, Philip Lindsay's playing on third, but I think he's going to eat into that share on first and second down. So if you're Melvin Gordon owner, you're probably not that happy. If you're Philip Lindsay owner, I think you're probably still okay. Cause I think they're going to be down and he's going to be out there a lot in the shotgun. I think Le'Veon Bell probably gets five, six carries. And I think he probably gets four or five targets. What those look like, I don't know. I might be forced into playing him because I'm so freaking desperate in our TDN league. But I still think he can be 10, 12 points, even on 10, 12 touches. I, I really do. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the slot. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a dump pass. I know they're going to throw him a screen. I know they're going to give him a draw. You know, by all accounts, he's a pretty smart player. He's going to pick up the offense. He's going to have a, a limited package. I think it's a huge day from Clyde Edwards-Lair because I think he's still going to be 80% of what they're trying to do. Uh, and I think they're going to spell Le'Veon Bell, and they're going to put it on tape, and they're going to go, okay, what, what did we see from him? What did he see in our offense? And I think it's going to grow from there. But I think he still has the, the potential to get 10 or 12 points here without getting in the end zone. Yeah, and look, 2018, Jamie, would have just – looked at me and slapped me in the face for saying what I'm about to say. But in 2020, it makes a ton of sense. Why can't Le'Veon Bell do exactly what J.D. McKissick's doing? Like, why can't he be the guy that – why can't he, in that role, where he's still not the guy, be the opportunity to get five or six carries a game, get four to six targets a game, and be highly successful? And again, getting that sort of work in KC's offense is a hell of a lot better than getting that work in Washington's offense. So, I mean, I, I – He's not like a must start or anything, but I think he is in that flex consideration for you, depending on where you have him. I understand like this week you might, unless you're forced into it, you might want to sit him, kind of see how he's used. And as again, print the t-shirts, you probably have a wide receiver you like more, but there are a lot of leagues where three running backs are starting every single week, or you've been dealing with so many injuries that you are choosing between a Le'Veon Bell or, you know, maybe you were thinking about a Boston Scott or Devonta Freeman tonight. And all of a sudden you're like, well, you know what? I'm going to take a chance here. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, you just mold your expectations, low end RB two, high end flex type player gets 10 touches that, uh, you know, that's kind of what I think you're going to get from him going forward. Uh, would it surprise you if he got to like 15 or 20? It would surprise me this week. It would not surprise me in general. Yeah. I mean, that's just Andy Reed. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If he steps in, one, if they're blowing their doors off, I think he plays a lot in the second half. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that would be the scenario this week. Like, I think he can that, get there. Like, he's a, he's a damn good. Like, I don't think he is. I, I like I said, I need to see him away from out of gaze before I say he's done because I don't think he's done. I just no, think I don't, he's think, I don't think he's done. Rushing he behind, proven it. we haven't seen it, but I don't. I don't think he's done. No, is he the the Le'Veon Belly was in Pittsburgh? No, I think that's unrealistic on the other side. But he's been running behind the worst offensive line in football in the Jets last year and has been dealing with Adam Gase where literally every offensive player leaves and is highly successful uh, after they leave. So I want to see it here. Uh, so I, if you need to start him, I wouldn't be freaked out about it, but you probably have a receiver on your roster you like more. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars take on the L.A. Chargers. We get to see Justin Herbert here at home against the Minstash. Uh, the big question in this game is, A, Keenan Allen, are you going to play? Looks like he's trending in the right direction with that back injury. So I would really like to see a, a healthy-ish Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both on the field, along with Hunter Henry for Justin Herbert. That's exciting to me. And on the Jags side of things, it's kind of this weird like wide receiver soup chart may or may not play. You've got Chenault, who had you know a rough game last week, but have been pretty solid leading in. Keelan Cole's been putting up points in the last three or four weeks. And James Robinson's been damn good for them. There's like some sneaky amount of a lot of fantasy value in this game. And on the what Chargers side Jackson? of the running, I was going to say, say, you got to give, give me the Chargers running back situation. Yeah. yeah. Like what, 
I mean, Kelly, I, I think, gets more, but Justin Jackson's been more productive when he's gotten in now that he's, he's finally healthy. I, I think he could out snap him, and I think he's going to outproduce him. It's more all around. Like, he's a, he's a, he's a better pass catcher out of the backfield uh, for them. Uh, that's that's what I'm watching right now because I'm, I'm not sure I'm starting. I rate them both outside of my top, like, 28 running backs, but I want to see how that usage works this week with Kelly and Jackson because what the latest report on Austin Eckler was it's going to be later than sooner. I believe was the yeah. quote. So uh, this is going to be a true like split backfield. But if Justin Jackson is going to be splitting and getting all the receiving work, that's interesting to me because this offense is, yeah. is intriguing right now. Um, and otherwise, like, look, you're, you're playing your studs on the Chargers. I think Mike Williams is a worthy flex play. That's somebody that I know a lot of people went to go pick up this week and remembered after coming off of the bye week. Like, oh, yeah, Mike Williams had a big game. Um, and on Jacksonville side, I'm still playing Chark if he's out there. I'm not giving up on Chenault yet. I know this is another player that I've got a lot of questions about after one bad week. He's been incredibly productive for you all season and has one bad game and everybody's jumping off the bandwagon. Not he's had his most snaps the last two weeks. Yeah. Like he, he's he had a been bad out game. there for more and he's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring the last three weeks. He had a bad game. I think, I think he bounces back and he has a really solid week. I do as well. Like I think more the key to me is, is like give messing. You have to, he's a must start or anything like that, but give people talking about dropping him. Like, no, give God, no. give these guys more than just one bad week when they've been productive for you. Like to me, like the people, and I don't know if this is exactly the case, but it's one thing to say, I'm going to drop T.Y. Hilton or I'm going to drop A.J. Green a couple of weeks or I'm going to just because I, I've given it weeks and weeks and weeks and I haven't done it. But just because one guy that's a rookie or maybe a little bit of unknown has one bad game doesn't mean like, oh, I'm out. And I, just, I feel like people are just going, oh, I'm out way too much on some of these guys and, and you're going to regret it. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about tonight is the new Sunday night football game. That is the Seattle Seahawks going to face the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are fresh off their big primetime victory where uh, the final score, uh, again, I'll be Debbie Downer again. The final score did not match up with what I, my eyes saw from this Cardinals team. All the credit in the world to that defense. That was a hell of a step up and a hell of a performance by them. But I have a lot of questions about this offense right now. It's been two weeks since we've seen Russell Wilson. He gets another primetime game. The Seahawks are physically incapable of playing a normal football game in primetime under the lights. What do you see happening here? Because I think this is a big game for Wilson, big game for Chris Carson, big game for DK Metcalf, and we need to see a bounce-back game from Tyler Lockett. Have to get a big game from Tyler Lockett. He's going to be up against it a little bit, but I think they're going to move him around. Uh, they know how to play this Cardinals team. They own this Cardinals team. I think Hopkins and Metcalf are fighting it out for wide receiver one and two maybe with Julio and Galladay like that. Those four, yeah. I think have just monster weeks. Uh, and I think Lockett could have a really sneaky game here. Christian Kirk is kind of the X factor for me really come on the last couple of weeks is that complimentary piece we've been talking about. I don't think Kenyon Drake does much. Uh, he's had a bunch of garbage, like weird yardage that doesn't add up. And he's like top six in the NFL, top five in the NFL in rushing yards right now, which is really weird. Um, I don't know who else I like. I, I, Kyler, of course, you're going to play. He's going to get all these running yards. That mm -hmm. He could have a monster, monster game, or he could have an okay game with a bunch of these highlight real things. I, I still don't know when I'm going to get the monster game from me. He's got to play better to get that monster game. But I think this is the potential of being a shootout and being a hell of a lot of fun. It's now in prime time. It's going to be interesting. No crowd in Arizona. That's going to be weird. I just you give Pete Carroll and Russell an extra week to get ready for this. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not buying this Cardinals team. I, I think. I think the Seahawks get it done. I think that their their guys have much bigger days, and I have a lot more faith in Russell Wilson than I do Kyler Murray. Yeah, that that's the deal here. Is there was no Dallas pushback at all, and I think you'll get a tremendous Russell Wilson pushback, and they'll make up for the mistakes of Kyler Murray missing open receivers and and some of the errors that they had on this in this game. I mean, keep night. in mind. Baker Mayfield and the Browns gave up 550 yards to Dak and still won handily, handily against that Dallas team. They put up 50 freaking points. And the Cardinals did it with a bunch of garbage stuff and three turnovers in the first half. And who thinks that Browns team would go and play Seattle good? No, and I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's why, to me, I'm again all eyes for me on the running back situation in, in Arizona. Like, I Kenny Drake got you the game you needed, but that 69 yard garbage time touchdown really helped you. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what the split is again with him and Edmonds. There's been a lot. I've got a lot of Chase Edmonds questions this week, and and he's a tough player to rank right now because I mean Drake's still going to get the majority of the touches right at, at this stage, especially after last week. But 
I love what he's about Edmonds has been able to do in the passing game. He looks more explosive on average than we've seen from Kenyon Drake this year. Uh, I did I did like that funny quote from Kenyon Drake's mother about asking him like why he's not hitting the holes um, or whatever whatever that exact quote was. But I don't know. I just there's just something off about this Arizona team. Like the fantasy wise, you're going to be great. Like how am I going to put up a ton of fantasy numbers? You know you're going to get what you're going to get from Hopkins. I'm actually starting Kirk in the TDN Premium League and it's a two flex PPR league, but I just, I don't know, like from a football perspective, something is missing about this Cardinals team. Like I, I know what the numbers are saying about their defense and I know what the, you know, what the big plays yeah, they gotta, are They got to prove Murray, that they but, haven't played an elite offense yet. No. And they I played think Dallas, just, but that was without Dak and that offensive line was shot to shit at that point. Like that's yeah, not yeah. the same thing it, as some of these other teams. It's without Dak and it's with three fumbles each game. Like, I, yes, I know you caused those fumbles, but. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think that's replicatable. Like, I don't think Chris Carson's fumbling the ball three times, even for the issues he had last year, that hasn't been a problem for him this year. So uh, yeah. I like that. We both like the Seahawks in this game and we like all of, I, we like all of the points uh, in terms of fantasy points for DK and, and Hopkins and Tyler Lockett. So uh, this will be a really fun matchup. So this was a good choice. If you were going to flex one of these games, um, I think they made the right choice here to put Seattle. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, it's going to be. So we will talk about the Monday Night Football game when we do our wrap-up podcast on Sunday night. But, uh, Jake, I want to hear your final thoughts in the, uh, on the show. Uh, you shared them a little bit on the TDN Against the Spread podcast. I don't know if you want to reshare them here for those who haven't had a chance to watch that show. But the other big news in the NFL this week that we haven't got into uh, is that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the new starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, who are on bye this week. Uh, and again, the other one would be Yannick Ndakwe uh, getting traded uh, from Minnesota to Baltimore. Th- two more teams that are on bye this week. So three teams on bye making major roster moves. Uh, do you want to discuss either one or both of those topics? Yeah, I'll touch on both. Uh, I wish two of the best. I mean, I just don't, I hate the timing. You knew he was going to become the guy at some point. But the, you know, you're three and three. You have five of the next six that are winnable. And Fitzmagic's the entire reason that you're relevant. He's playing phenomenal. I can't fathom by the, for the life of me that Tua plays 70% as well as, as Fitzmagic's played for the next five or six weeks until he really gets his feet wet. He's going to probably flash some stuff here and there. I just don't like it. The name of the game is to win, not to build for the future. And I said on the against the spread show, what if you miss? What if Tua's not any good? What are you building then? Yes, you find out now, but where are you at then? When you have a chance to win the division for the first time in 20 years, you do it, in my opinion. Uh, the Ngakwe trade, I've been talking about Baltimore as a little bit of a farce on defense because they have to blitz so much. I love this. You have familiarity with him and Clayus Campbell playing next to each other. Uh, you don't give up a ton. This is a typical Ravens move. They get better. They don't give up a ton of capital to do it. He's, he's had six sacks, but they've been, eh, it's been a bunch of coverage stuff. He hasn't been great, but he's still a very good player. High motor guy. He's going to fit in that defense really well. Uh, I think it's a phenomenal job by the Ravens going all in, trying to make their run. Yeah, they they knew what I've been, they knew what I've been saying. They didn't have anybody that could get there without the blitz. He's a guy that can get there by himself. Yeah, and you have an opportunity with him depending on how well he plays because now you, you give yourself an alternative to Matthew Judon if, in terms of you're going to have to – both those guys are going to be free agents going at the end of the year. gives you at least a potential somebody else to sign there. Uh, and, and on the Tua stuff, it, it's, it's odd to me. I, I understand the reasoning. I just think the reasoning and, – and I think you brought it up pretty astutely on, on the TDN sh- – on the video show was that it's more about marketing and selling tickets and ratings than it was about winning football games. And that's a bit counterintuitive to what we saw happen with this Dolphins team the back half of last year that we really commended them for of them making that push, them playing hard, them winning those, those, you know, winning five games in the back half of the season when everybody was ready to, you know, you were going to go 0 and 16 or 1 and 15. Uh, you know, the timing is odd. I know they have a bye week this week and I know it got forced up from what it originally was. It was supposed to be a week 11 bye. And we kind of thought, you know, that week 12, you start to get late in the season, that might be the moment. But you want to see some games from Tua this year. You want to see at least a little bit of what you have. This seems a little early. Like your team is clicking on all cylinders right now. You've won two in a row. Based on what Buffalo's done in the last two weeks, even though I think they're still going to win the division, and it's not really a bold take, you had a shot. You had a shot to win this division to get a home playoff game. Like it's and you, you, you have almost beat team. them. You almost yeah. beat them. You can beat New England. 
Like, you're, I, you're relevant. If you could go nine and seven and not win the division, you might still sneak in somewhere. That third wild card you're spot. Three like, and three and three with five of the next six. So my point was, until you're not relevant, if Tua gets three games under his belt, it's more than Patrick Mahomes got as a rookie. Yeah. You get some experience. He stays healthy, and you build the next. You go into next year. I just it's magic. If he was playing okay, or if he had a couple dud games, it'd be a different story. This screams ownership, not management and coaching. Yes, which is absolutely a whole nother freaking problem. It also screams just because Herbert's playing really well, and you're feeling the fact that your fifth pick overall sitting on the bench, and that Joe Burrow's playing really well. You're assuming that Tua's going to play that well. I'm not. I like the kid. I wish him the best, but I don't think you're going to get 70, 80% of what Fitzmagic's been giving you. No. And, and the thing is, is, is that's a great point. I, a coach, I don't think two days after a big win where your quarterback's playing really well is going to announce a change. Nothing changed overnight, which means somebody came, the only thing that changed overnight is somebody came down and changed the expectations for you. Like that, 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 that has to be it. And I know there was something like 50,000 or whatever number of people, more people tuned into the game for the last two minutes to watch Tua than were watching the game initially or whatever that number was. And I understand the marketing behind it. I understand. Although you could have marketed and said, start them in week 12 or 13, start them around Thanksgiving and you can get your holiday shopping done with promoting Tua jerseys. But uh, I, I am, I'm curious to see what happens. Cause like from a fantasy perspective, like I ended up, if you saw I my like tweet, I, I, no, like he's, he's my QB 21 is where I put him for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm worried for Devonte Parker. I'm worried that maybe, you know, this changes how often or how effective Miles Gaskin can be like this offense. You kind of knew some pieces. Uh, I don't know what the pieces are right now. Like we, a lot of times we see these backup or young quarterbacks come in. Now he didn't have a preseason to get really chemistry with a lot of players, but they have a new favorite target. They have somebody else that they go to the ball to somebody else. That they trust more. We don't know anything yet, and we don't know how good he's going to be yet. So this is – if you're Devontae who's Parker – Who is that R, that RPO slant guy? Because I don't think that's Devontae Parker. Whoever that no, RPO slant guy is, that's to, his, that's to his game. But the, none so of the receivers get separation. Like Parker, right. Preston Williams, like none of those guys get separation. Like I don't – they don't have that guy on their – that guy is Devonta Smith. Like that guy's not on their ro- – or Jalen Waddle. <laughs> like that's not their yeah. – their guy is going to be somebody they might spend one of their two first-round picks on, but it's not on the roster right now. Like I, I which, just, which is another reason I don't like this. I just, I, I was surprised. I, I was surprised by the time in. I don't care. If it's the bye week. I don't think it's the right decision uh, in the short term. I don't necessarily think it's the right decision in the long term. Uh, it's just, but uh, I, if I still believe for a fact that if Justin Herbert wasn't balling out, we would not be having this conversation. Like even no, as good as Burrow's being played, everybody knew Burrow's going one-one. There was never a question about it. We never even had to pretend like there was somebody else. Uh, because the Herbert conversation, the quarterback direct, drafted directly after him is having a lot of success. I that put a lot of pressure, and maybe that doesn't affect the coaching staff, but it does affect people in the front office and the and in the ownership box if they're hearing it. And we've seen it happen before. Well, because they're they're the ones out. that are paying attention to Twitter and fan pages and everything else. And if you're giving into that, there's a reason you're a shit ass organization. Well, and, and that's, that's not going to change. Right I, if that was the case, that's never going to change. Wish two of the best, best health and best success. And uh, I still think I'm still pretty bullish on him long-term. I just feel like this was a, this was a rush job to, to do this right now. And no doubt. even with an extra week to prepare, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but uh, we will get to evaluate him in week eight. And there'll be a lot of conversation about it because all eyes will be on him for that matchup. And that maybe is not necessarily the best position to put our young kid in, but uh, let's hope he's healthy and ready to go. And we'll see how he performs in that matchup. But uh uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You can follow Jake at Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arian, uh, was it Arians NFL on it Instagram. Is. It is. Yep. Uh, there you go. I got to remember that now. And at TDN Fantasy on Twitter. This is Paige's job. Like she does this part where she has all the hashtags and at mentions. Like I, I'm just coming in here, just trying to figure out the playbook, and uh, I'm, I'm trying my best, everybody. Excellent. Uh, even job. though I've been Excellent on the show job. for two years now, I'm still trying my best with this segment, but. Uh, uh, you can follow us on there. We will be back on Sunday night slash early Monday morning, depending on where you are time zone wise, breaking down all of week seven games. Paige will be back then. And good luck in your fantasy matchups. And if you haven't had a chance yet, I really encourage you to go watch the TDN against the spread video show that we're doing every Friday. There's a lot of information in there, our locks of the week, underdogs of the week. We teased it a bunch. You can just go to at the draft and see it on the timeline or 
Right now at thedraftnetwork.com, you can check out our locks of the week. And at the very, very top of that article is the full video embedded for you. So one-stop shopping for that. Uh, check that out. Good luck this weekend for your fantasy team. Good luck this weekend for your bets. And let's hope we have an awesome week seven of NFL action. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.